0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor Cornelius Phillips with today's message. All right. Sometimes you have to you have to you have to recreate the atmosphere. Sometimes you have to change the atmosphere because your, your senses, sometimes they do what they're created to do, but they do it in the natural. They don't do it in the spirit. So your eyes see because that's what they were created to do, but your eyes see what's in front of you. Your, your, your touch, your sense of touch, does exactly what God created it to do, but it doesn't touch in the spirit. It, it touches in the natural. And you feel in the natural. You, you hear in the natural. Uh, you smell in the natural or whatever. And so sometimes you have to change the atmosphere. And that's what we were talking about last Wednesday night, about meditating on the Scripture, meditating on the Word of God, uh, talking to yourself about the word of God and uh, you know just like uh, Pastor Don just said that you know when we, when we uh, think about Hebrews 11 uh, where uh, uh, verse 6 it says without faith it's impossible to please God uh, without faith it is impossible to please him, so you, you've, got to, you've got to shift that atmosphere sometimes because doubt will come up when you prayed and you've asked and you sought God, and even, even when you fasted and, and sought Him, uh, doubt will come up, and you'll begin to wonder, you'll begin to question, and, and so you've got, to, you've got to declare to your spirit. That Listen, Spirit, you've got to walk in faith. I've got to walk in faith because without faith it is impossible to please God. Uh, and then it goes, uh, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Now I like to take scriptures and kind of dissect them and set them in, in categories, and that's, that's the second category of that scripture in Hebrews chapter eleven and verse six, he that cometh to God must believe that He is. Now, I was talking to uh, one of my kids uh, the other day, and and uh, we were we were on the phone, and I was I was telling her, I said, look, I said you've got to. I know this is simple, but you've just got to keep declaring that God is your source, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's what walking in faith is all about. And I know this is simple, but I just felt so impressed to say this because when you believe that God is, you're declaring by faith whatever you're praying, God, I'm believing that you are Lord of this situation. I'm, I'm believing that you are Lord of this pain that I'm dealing with, all right? And, and so that's, that's where you walk in faith. You, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek. So he is a rewarder. Amen. So there's three categories to that verse. The first one is that without faith it's impossible to please him. The second one is that uh, those that come to God must believe that He is. And then number three, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Okay? Amen. And that's one of my uh, favorite verses, but I, I have to understand that God is my source. Amen. Now, I might go to the doctor or, or I might take medicine or something like that, but God is ultimately the source of my healing. All right? He's the ultimate source of my strength. So so guard your atmosphere. Guard when that doubt would rise up, that I prayed and prayed and prayed, I've asked and asked and asked, but nothing's happening. That's where faith becomes a declaration that God, I have asked this, now I'm trusting you that it will come to pass. Sometimes we we complicate things too much, and uh, the thing with God is just simply believing, just simply believing, simply activating your faith and allowing your faith to 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 uh, fight the battle for you, and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that, that we can do things, and a lot of different ways that you might do things. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's good sometimes to sit around and talk in fellowship and kind uh, of <coughs> shoot things back and forth and say, well, how do you deal with this? How do you get through uh, these hard times and these issues? So anyway, <coughs> all right. All right, I want you to uh, take your Bible and go with me uh, to uh, the book of Ruth uh, once again tonight. Ruth chapter uh, 1. Ruth chapter 1. got something, uh, <clears throat> just not a, not a lot tonight, but uh, there was a couple of things that God uh, began to deal with me about in uh, the first chapter of the book of Ruth, and I just want to bring them out tonight, uh, because all all of chapter one deals with the results of famine. And, uh, but the awesome thing about God is this. Remember I, we talked about Sunday morning uh, when we were talking about chasing the bread truck. We, we talked about the last verse uh, in the book of Judges. And how that everybody did what was right in their own eyes, and we talked about how that in the book of Judges is the story of a part of the history of Israel, the nation of Israel, that was very chaotic. It was times when when they would they would fall off into sin, and uh, they would be invaded by. Uh, Different uh, Philistines or Midianites or something like that would invade them. Uh, They would go into captivity. They would cry to the Lord. God would send a judge like Gideon or Samson or one like that would come, and and uh, God would rescue them out of their uh, out of their bondage or slavery, and. Then go for a few years and be good and then go right back into the same mess. And that—that that is the story of the book of Judges. Uh, it's up and down, up and down all the time. And so uh, in the midst of all of that chaos, uh, Ruth, the book of Ruth, comes about. And uh, the beauty of that is that in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all... The idolatry in the midst of all the pain and all the suffering and all that, God is right there in the middle working in this little small spot with this small family doing something that is going to affect history. All right? Maybe you missed that. Maybe I need to say that again. Because... This is this is the awesome thing about the book of Ruth is that it is set the setting of it is right in the middle of chaos, confusion, backsliding, idolatry, degradation, perversion, and all the above and all the below. But right in the middle of that here is Naomi and Elimelech and their family. And God is doing something right there in that little spot that's going to change or affect the history of the world and of mankind. So in Ruth chapter 1, I want us to to start, I want to read from verse 6. Now, Naomi is here. She's, she's pretty much lost everything. She's a widow with no children in a strange land. No way to support herself. Uh, and from her perspective, as we're going to read here in just a minute, it appears probably to her that God had, had forsaken her or forgotten her. And... Probably, uh, according to what we read and on down in these verses, uh, Naomi thought that she was under some kind of of curse or under some kind of divine judgment from God. All right, so let's let's read starting at verse six, because now, uh, after all the loss and all of that, uh, Naomi. Rises up uh, with her two daughter-in-laws uh, and uh, decides that she's going to return to her native country because she heard that uh, God had moved and uh, there by giving them bread, and so she's she's going to get up and start the journey back home. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law. That she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb? That they may be your husbands. Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lift up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave to her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back to her people and to her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. I, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death parts me and thee. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she then left speaking unto her. And so they two went. Until they came to Bethlehem and came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. For I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. In in reading, I know I, I read a lot of A lot of scriptures tonight. But I want to talk about uh, chapter 1 because it's about, like I said earlier, it's about famine. It's about hard times. It's about sorrow. It's about disappointment. It's about frustration. It's about pain. It's about loneliness and all these things. Uh, It's about a feeling uh, that God has forgotten where you are. It's about uh, all these thoughts that would go through uh, someone's mind that, that well, God must be angry with me. Uh, God's not listening to me. Uh, God, where are you? And and all of these things that go uh, through uh, our minds in the midst of, of these situations. It's a time when when Naomi uh, couldn't see her way out, she couldn't, she couldn't figure out a way out of the mess that she was in. Uh, you know, sometimes you get in, in places where you lose your ability to dream. You lose your ability, uh, you lose your vision for the future, you lose what you feel like is your purpose you lose uh, all of that stuff. And I believe that that's where uh, Naomi was, that, that uh, she had lost that. She had lost that vision, and, and she was in a hopeless place. She was in a place where uh, she just couldn't see the way out. She couldn't, she couldn't see that there was going to be a better day. And, uh, but it was there in that place, in chapter 1, of so much depression, so much agony, and so much pain, it was there that that even though Naomi didn't know it, uh, she couldn't see it, uh, when she thought God was nowhere around, and God was not listening to her, it was there that, that God had already begun doing something that was going to directly affect her destiny. I want you to get that tonight because the Lord just dealt with me about this. It might not do anything for you. It might be somebody on a podcast. I don't know. And and I know this is just elementary stuff. But I want you to get this understanding that, that when we get in the midst of struggles and problems in our lives, and we feel like that we're all alone and we feel like that nobody is listening and God is not moving on our behalf. Listen, I want you to understand what you don't know can bless you. What you cannot feel might be the greatest thing that God is doing in your life. Because the thing about bitterness and the thing about sorrow and pain is that it will, it will numb your heart and it will numb your senses, your spiritual senses, and, and you will get to a place to where you don't feel anything and you can't sense anything because of the pain and the struggle that you're going through. And I want to tell you something, that it's in those times that you believe, you have faith, but yet you can't get out of the mud and you can't get out of the mess you're in. Listen, I don't care how great your faith is and I don't care how many times you declare that you've got faith. There are times in your life when you're going to feel like you are down for the count and you can't get out from under it. You feel like that everybody has forsaken you and nobody cares. Jesus felt like that on the cross. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt forsaken even though God was still right where he had always been. Jesus felt forsaken. And there are times in our lives that we feel forsaken. But the awesome thing about this is that what Ruth or what Naomi didn't know was that God was behind the scenes and he was moving things around and shifting things around. Yes, there was a lot of pain. But listen, God can take your pain and give you gain. God can take your stress and give you a a blessing. God doesn't, listen, one, I hate to say it like this, but one monkey don't stop the show. One bad apple doesn't mess it all up. Listen, it might mess it up in your book, but in God's book, it don't mess it up. If Moses don't want to do it, there's always a Joshua that'll stand up. God's always got somebody that will stand up. And so my pain, my loss, and my sorrow sets me back but it doesn't set God back. What I've got to understand is that I've got to see the greater picture. John, Brother John said it a while ago. We've got to see the big picture. We've got to quit seeing these small, minute little spots on the canvas of our life and we've got to see there's a whole canvas there that God is working on. If we were to look at this uh, banner tonight, if I were to tell you to look at this banner, you're going to glance at the banner, but I guarantee you that everybody in here, you're going to see a different aspect of that banner. And, And if you're not careful, you'll begin to focus on that specific aspect. But when God sees that, he sees the whole thing. God sees it from a different perspective. We get caught up in our small, minute details down here on earth, and God said, but you're not seeing the big picture. And I'm sure that Naomi and all that she had gone through, all the the things that she had experienced in her life, in a short amount of time, had caused her to get to a place to where, just like she she was saying, I, you know, when when you look at how she dealt with Orpah and and uh, Ruth, look at how many times there's about uh, four times that she she presses her daughters-in-laws to, to go home. In uh, verse 8, Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, go home, return to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with, with uh, the dead and me. The Lord grant you that you'll find rest. Go home. I believe that what Ruth or what Naomi was saying to her daughter-in-laws is this. I am an old woman. I've lost everything. Listen, and the custom then was that, that uh, Orpah and, and uh, Ruth's husbands died. The custom would be that if there was another brother in that family, that, that he would raise up children uh, after his brothers are in his brother's stead and they would, they would be his brother's children. All right? But there were no brothers. There were no, there were no uh, other relatives there. And so Naomi looked and said, Look, I'm an old woman. If I was to marry a husband tonight and raise up children, are you going to sit around and wait on those children? And she continued to, to press them, go back, go home, don't, don't don't waste your time with me anymore, I'm washed up, I'm finished, I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to try to get through this mess, the best way I can, and she did that several times, to tell them to turn again and go, this is something that the Lord spoke to me about, and he said, son, In the midst of your battle, be careful what you argue with. Be careful what you try to push away. Think about this. Naomi was trying to push away the very thing that her destiny was connected to. Think about that. Because of the bitterness of her soul, she had lost hope. She had lost her direction. And so all she could think of was, you guys need to go back, leave me alone, and I'm just going to fade into the distance. And she was trying to, to get Ruth and Orpah to leave. Now, Orpah left. But the one that was connected with her destiny, she could not get her to leave. She could not get Naomi or, or Ruth to leave. And and listen, It's in those times that, that, that I feel that all my hope is gone. All hope is lost. It is in those times that God is working these things out. Can you imagine if you had been sitting on the sideline of all this that was going on and watching what God was doing? You could see these people, you could see all the stuff that they were going through and all the struggle and the pain that they were having to deal with, but yet you were sitting there watching and the hand of God was just moving. That's the amazing thing about God. I want to tell you something tonight. When God puts his finger on you, and I'm saying this prophetically, this is... The the anointing is speaking this tonight. When God puts his finger on you and places an anointing and a gifting in your life, listen, I want to tell you tonight that there is nothing that will come against you that can stop that that can rob you, that can pull that away from you. It doesn't matter what the enemy comes. It doesn't matter what you lose. It doesn't matter who you lose. It doesn't matter how much you lose or anything like that. Because of the finger of God that has been placed on your life, friend, you can sit back and relax because at the end of the day, the anointing of God has got a destiny on your life and that destiny will come about out. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if you're in Moab. It doesn't matter if you're miles and miles from home. God said, I'll make it happen in the wilderness. I'll make it happen in the desert. I don't have to have a palace to create royalty. I'll make it happen. Listen, yes, they had left the homeland, yes, they had left the house of bread. But listen, God had not left them. Yes, they might have messed up. Yes, they might have failed God, and yes, they might have they might have uh, disappointed other people. But listen, God did not leave them, and I want you to get that tonight because God has not left you. You might have messed up, you might have made a mistake, you might have failed, you might have said something you didn't need to say, you might have acted on something you didn't need to act on, you might have even uh, thought things that you didn't need to think. But listen, God has not left you. It doesn't matter. how how far down you feel like you are. It doesn't matter how alone that you feel like you are. Listen, God is working things out. What you don't know, what you don't see, and what you don't feel, And I want to just say this. What you're not even praying for, what you don't even believe could happen, this is the awesome thing, guys. And and please guard what I'm saying, but, but Naomi wasn't walking in faith. She wasn't believing in faith. Yes, she knew God was still there, but she wasn't walking in faith. She wasn't making faith declarations. She wasn't declaring what wasn't, that it will be, and all that. She wasn't doing anything uh, like that. But yet, in the middle of all of that mess, God was saying, I am working in your life. I know I'm more excited about this than you are, but listen. I'm just amazed at the awesomeness of God. I'm amazed that God would do somebody like that. And I'm even more amazed because he's done me like that so many times. I didn't deserve it. I I wasn't praying for it. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't believe for it. But yet God in his awesomeness and his sovereignty and his power, he came and did what I didn't even ask him to do. He moved when I didn't even ask him to move. He healed me when I didn't even ask him to heal me. That is the awesomeness of God. He's coordinating. He's working things. He's moving things. He's repositioning things on my behalf. Even when I feel like I'm farthest away. I told you I wasn't going to be long, and I'm trying, okay? Now, I think about Paul, the apostle in Acts chapter 27, uh, when he was on the ship and and you know that story and and the Bible says that that they were exceedingly exceedingly tossed with a tempest in verse eighteen and and the Bible says that that they lightened the ship the third day they cast out with their own hands the tackling of the ship, and I read that today, and I thought about. God, in the midst of my struggles, in the midst of my trials, I I, I try to throw things out I try I try to search and I, I, I try to say maybe this is it and I throw it off the ship and, and I've thrown everything off the ship and I don't have anything else to throw off the ship but yet the storm is still raging and the wind is still blowing and the ship is still sinking but I've thrown out everything I know to throw out I've said everything I know to say I've declared every scripture I know to declare I've prayed every prayer that I know to pray God but yet my ship is still sinking and then I read in verse 20 he said and when neither sun nor moon uh, stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us all hope that we should be saved was then taken away in other words Paul said we got to a place that we had thrown everything off the ship. We had lightened our load. He said, but we got to a place. I got, he said, I got to a place where all hope that we would be saved was gone. This was Paul. This was the apostle Paul This was the one that that wrote a big portion of the New Testament saying that I got to a place when I was on that ship that all hope was gone. I didn't have any more hope. But then if you read on down, you'll see where Paul spent some time. He changed the atmosphere. You know what I think? I think that Paul was in the midst of this storm and he was looking and seeing everything that was going on and and they had done all they could do and yet it was getting worse and worse and worse and I, I you know what I think happened? I think Paul was standing there and probably holding on and watching the waves and watching the rocking of the ship and all that. And and he was hopeless. And I believe something quickened in Paul's spirit, and God spoke to him and He said, "You need to get somewhere by yourself. You you need to get away. You're you're seeing too much, Paul." you're hearing too much Paul you're thinking too much Paul and now all that you've seen and all that you've heard and all that you're thinking and all that is affecting your spirit so you need to get somewhere by yourself and Paul disappeared when no, where nobody could see him and the next time that he appeared he stood up and said sirs I got something to say I've been with Jesus and I heard this word tonight that we're going to lose the ship but not a hair of your head is gonna be lost you see he got in a place where he changed the atmosphere let's go back to Ruth I'll be off on that listen Naomi tried to push away the very thing that her destiny was connected to but the more that Naomi tried this, the more that Ruth clung to her. But I want you to notice something that the second thing that really just uh, blessed me is that in the midst of the worst times that we can imagine in the midst of the worst situations and circumstances that we could imagine in the midst of the worst of the worst of the worst for Naomi what she didn't recognize was that seasons were changing I want you to look at this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but in verse 22, the last few words of verse 20 of chapter 1 and verse 22, they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Why is that significant? Because they had experienced a famine, but God had a field God had a field that he was going to do something through that field that was going to affect their lives. It couldn't be any other time. It had to be at that specific time. Couldn't be around planning time because if it was planting time there wouldn't be any grain there for Naomi to send Ruth out to glean in the field there had to be something in the field that could be gleaned so therefore it couldn't be just any time it couldn't be uh, during planting time it couldn't be after harvest time it had to be right at a specific time now, if you go back and you begin to look at all the mess and all the struggle and all the pain and all the frustration, when Naomi was speaking to Ruth and Orpah, my life is over. Go back to your home. Go back to your mama's house. Leave me alone. I'm washed up. What she didn't recognize. That in the midst of all of that arguing, and in the midst of all that pushing them away, God was saying, You're getting one step closer to harvest time. You don't, listen, you heard that God had visited the land and given them bread, but what you don't realize is that I gave them bread so that I could get you back there at uh, at a specific time in the midst of all of your loss and all all of your frustration, I, I brought you back, I gave them bread, and I brought you back because I gave the bread because I want to do something with the field in your life. That is the awesomeness of God. That what I don't know is that God is working in my on my behalf. What you don't know? You see, we think we think in the natural so many times. It's the reason we pray and 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 something in the back of our mind says well it didn't work and that's the reason we miss our miracles a lot of times i believe is because we pray and because we don't feel it or we don't see it we think well god didn't hear it but you got to walk you got to walk out what you pray so what i don't know is because I'm not always seeing in the spirit what I don't know is that God is 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 moving things around. He's working things on my behalf. And the second thing is that what I what I feel will never happen hasn't happened. Because the season is not right for it to happen. If you ain't never walked through no hell, this ain't gonna mean anything to you. But if you've been walking through some fire, you understand what I'm saying. Because if you're getting tired of being burnt, you're saying, God, where are you? What's going on in my life? God, why are you not listening to me? Why are you not answering my prayer? And God is saying, in the spirit realm, I heard you the first time, Daniel. But the season's not right. I'm waiting on the season. The field, the field ain't ready yet. and close listen in Romans 15 and verse 4 it says this for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope let me read that again for whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now catch what he's saying there. Those things that were written long ago were written so that I could learn, so that I could glean from it. And as a result of me learning what was written years and years ago, it brings about patience and comfort to me of the scriptures. That's where my hope comes from. remember several weeks ago we talked about Psalm 119 and I think it's on verse 46 or 47 somewhere along in there where the psalmist said Lord I remember the word that you have spoken to your servant for it is in that word that my hope lies and in the midst of my affliction I have comfort because of that word all right And then Paul said in verse 13, Now the God of hope. Aren't you glad you serve a God of hope? He's not a God of despair. He's not a God of frustration. He's not a God of hopelessness. He's a God of hope. And he said, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I declare that over you tonight. I declare that over your mind tonight in your spirit. Now the God of hope, now the God of hope, now the God of hope fill you, fill you, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Why? That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I catch that. It's very important. You can't abound in hope in your flesh. It is something that is birthed in you through the work and the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Listen, as I read about Naomi and the situations and the struggles that she went through and all the pain, I have to understand this, that pain won't last forever. Amen. Because God had a season. He had a, There was a season of famine that they had to walk through. But then there's a field that God's got. Listen, the famine affected the field before it affected the people. The famine affected the field before it affected the people. But God used the field to affect the people and to take away what the famine had done. hmm Hallelujah. Father, we love you tonight. (laughs) Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, that, that God, when we don't know it, when we're not aware of it, Father, you are working on our behalf. We believe that tonight, Father. We trust you tonight. And Father, tonight we're confident in you. We're confident in your faithfulness. We're confident that your word will come to pass. Now, Father, I just pray over this house tonight, God, that, that Father, that Lord, that your word would get deep within our spirit. And, Father, I thank you tonight, God, for the season, for the changing of the season. Father, just like we're in now, we're moving out of summer and we're coming into fall. God, there's a change of season in the spirit tonight. And I just thank you for it. I thank you that it's coming. And I thank you tonight, God, that it's not going to be a season of depression and frustration, but, God, that it's going to be a season, Father, where you're going to restore, Father, what the famine has affected. And, Lord, we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.